It's a good morning, isn't it? So good. It's about to get even better. We're going to hear a great word this morning. Uh, I'm not preaching this morning. We have a special speaker. So if you know her and love her, I want you to stand to your feet and give a round of applause to the one and only Karis Frigi. Karis is amazing. Uh, her and Chad are some of our best friends in the whole world. And are, they also serve on the board of our church. And so they help lead this whole thing. And they're amazing. And uh, a few months ago, Karis was supposed to preach as a part of the I'm Pregnant series. Y'all remember that one? For Christmas, and uh, then some things happened in their family, so that didn't. So she didn't preach, and then she voxed me after church last Sunday. She's like, "I'm ready. I got a message. I need to preach." And I was like, "Well, I'm not going to stand in your way, then. Get it." So I'm going to pray for her, and uh, we're going to hear from the Word of God. Are you guys good with that? And I know we, we always talk about responding and stuff like that, but I'm probably going to get stood up by her. Something she's going to say. So you better shout her down, encourage her. This isn't like a clown on a stage performing, right? We're all in this together, receiving the Word of God. Jesus, we thank you so much for Karis and pray that you fill her with the Holy Spirit and uh, us as well. Open up our hearts to receive your word this morning because it's a good word. It's a good word. And would you bring, um, bring a lot out of it? Do more than we could ever dream. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, guys. I mean, last Sunday I was full of faith and I was like, I can do this. And then this morning I was like, why did I think I could do this? But I did want to take a minute because I was realizing like of the people who we've had speak here, um, not... I don't know that anyone has had opportunity to honor Andrew and Heather. So I'm going to sit here for a minute. Um, this is the picture I get with Andrew and Heather. You know when you go to Disneyland and you get a fast pass and you get to just go through the line really fast? If you all have not been, it's miserable with kids. I think so. But um, it is, it's actually awesome. It's just the lines are so long. And what do you do with kids? But I feel like in a way, for everything that I'd been wanting for our family, Andrew and Heather have given us a fast pass. And I feel like it's been like that for the people who um, have been since two years ago, January, when we started meeting in houses. Um, their faith, it's, it really is what they said. Our mission statement, mission statement was to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to make others great. And I feel like in that make others great, they've just been handing out fast passes. Like, you get to go. You get to be part of the kingdom. Um, and it's so empowering. I think, Andrew, when I think of you, I think, never be lacking in zeal, but be filled with spiritual fervor. That's just you all the time. It's such a blessing to be honored, like to follow a leader who I know is following Jesus and not just following, is like chasing after. He's not going to miss it. He's not perfect. I'm not up here, you know, painting some perfect picture, but I love him and I love how he leads and I love how passionate he is. And with Heather, I don't know if you've ever talked to her for more than five minutes, um, but you probably have felt convicted while she's talking. Like you're, And then you start thinking, is she directing this at me? Like, does she know what my secret sin is? But no, she just walks with Jesus and the way she lives is just convicting just by hearing her talk. So they're awesome. If you don't know them, they're amazing and we are really blessed to have them. So thank you for letting me do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, okay, so this series, part of why I wanted to preach, I love this series. If you haven't been here for the past, this is our fifth week now, and I feel like we could stay in this series the rest of the year, but I think we're going to move on, but um, it's this series, the word is called Jesus People. When we were praying about um, the church, like, Lord, what do you have for this year? One of the first things that Andrew submitted was this idea of being Jesus People, and right away, I was like, thrilled. I'm like, yes, I don't even know, but I'm like, yes, I want to do that. I want to be in that. You know, I grew up in a Christian school, Christian home, and so I was always encountering, like, the pushback of, let's just keep this normal, you know? Like, let's just, let's just, just don't say Jesus so much, you know? Like, don't, don't really follow him. Just, like, live a moral life. That's good, and I have found there's something in all of us that wants 
to know Jesus. Like, we want to run after him. And so I just want to be part of people that are just going for it. And that's not just our church. I think there's something in our city right now that wants this. But we're going to step in. So anyway, so we've had this series. The first week we talked about the Jesus People movement that actually first happened at the end of the 60s, into the 70s. I've loved this movement personally. 250,000 people, they think became Christians through this movement and mostly happened in the hippies. We learned one of our own was a hippie. Is Linda in here? No. Anyway, <laughs> she was a hippie. And, um, but so glad that God apprehended that movement. And what came out of it was our contemporary worship, um, a lot of the places. So what you saw up here, us like using guitars and cymbals and things like that actually was birthed just from a new freedom that the church needed, and we're so glad. And the political climate then is kind of like it is now. Our, our country was pretty shaken up about the Vietnam War. JFK was assassinated four years before it started. So there was just a lot going on. I feel like it's right now we could have this next movement, and I'm so excited for it. Um, then we went into your, um, we went into, Jesus said, come and see. Rabbi, where are you staying? Come and see. The invitation of Jesus. Come and see. Y'all like a recap? I like a recap. I like to remember. Um, <clears throat> you are the one was the next one. When Jesus said, the lost sheep, the lost coin, you actually are the one. He was looking at the multitudes, and it's, it's the trigger in all of us. He's going after us. Not only does he go after us, he saves us so we can walk it out, so we can be the one wherever we're at. You're the one. You don't have to wait, you know? And then last week, I loved it, the idea that we don't have condemnation, that we all with unveiled face, God's face is unveiled, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are going from one degree of glory to another. That's so encouraging. So I was like, Lord, I just want to preach on this. I don't really know what I want to preach on. I just, I'm like, I got to be part. Um, I think I just spit. Sorry. Anyway, so the point is, when I was thinking about this and, and loving this whole thing, I just suddenly realized, like, um, my biggest fear and what's happened with our family recently is that somehow this would take us out of the momentum of what God's doing in our body and in our city. Some of you know our story. If you don't, really quick recap. Um, I'm not going to make this the focus I mean, it will definitely play in because, hello, it's my life, but I'm not going <laughs> to go into all the details. I just want to say two, two days before Thanksgiving, I noticed a bulge on my son's abdomen, and um, we found out within 24 hours, it was a tumor that they got out. It was malignant, and it had spread to his lungs. It's called Wilms tumor, and um, the cells did not come back super favorable, but you know what? I just don't even care. Like, I just believe what God says, and God's speaking life over my son, and he's thriving. So I'm, like, encouraged, and I'm here to say in your darkest moment of fear that God's there. And not only is he there, but, like, he has to be there. He has to be there. And there's nothing that can sideline you, okay? So that's what today's message is. There's no sideline. There's no sideline. <laughs> When I think of all the things that uh, my initial fears, what is the enemy going to steal from me? He's going to steal my friends. Well, I've gotten closer with my friends. He's going to steal my family. I've gotten closer with my family. He's going to steal my peace. I've had more peace. I mean, Chad would say this too. I was going to bring Chad up here so he could like comment on you know, all the things that I'm going to forget. Um, but anyway, we've had exceptional peace in our home, exceptional joy. Not that things weren't hard, but everybody knows things are hard. So I feel like I don't need to publicize that, right? Like, oh, stuff's hard. But at the same time, God's goodness comes in the middle of my hardness. My biggest fear was, will this make me bitter? And I felt like the Lord said, no, it's going to make you beautiful. It's not going to make you bitter. So anyway, I'm going to pull it together because I'm not going to cry today. But <laughs> the point is, so I also have to confess recently, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, I have really gotten on the CrossFit bandwagon. I used to hate it. 
And I really, we started watching the Netflix documentary that y'all all should watch, Fittest on Earth. Actually, I don't know if you, anyway, take it to the Lord, see if you should watch it. We watched it. And we, we were like just watching, observing, like eating popcorn. Within a week, Chad had signed up. Now Chad's like the top of the leaderboard at our gym. You can go and see. <laughs> but one thing I love about CrossFit, it's kind of like PE class in high school, but without like the torture, punishment, embarrassment aspect. And then it's like basketball team where you're like, there's a coach, you're all in the game, but you can't get sidelined. You can't get benched. And my basketball career was not the best and I was benched a lot. So for me, this is like super exciting. You just get to like throw around equipment. But I feel like something about that, that CrossFit aspect is the kingdom too. Like we all get to play, no matter how athletic you think you are or you're not. And really the quality of workout you get with CrossFit is what you're willing to put in. So that's pretty kingdom, right? Like just say a lot, the quality of workout, quality of your life, the quality of kingdom impact you have is it gonna be about what you put in. When I think about Jesus people, <clears throat> I'm just struck with this idea that we would actually look like Jesus. Um, <clears throat> do you guys ever watch Todd White? Y'all know who I'm talking about. If you don't, you should YouTube him. He's crazy. But when I think about Jesus people, he has a ministry called Lifestyle Christianity. And he has this story about going into McDonald's, seeing this homeless guy, asking if he can pray for him because he has like this big limp. Guy says no, super hostile. Anyway, long story short, he ends up praying for the guy. The guy gets miraculously healed. And the guy's like, who are you, man? And Todd's like, I'm just, I'm just a slate roof layer. My name's Todd. And he's like, no, man, you Jesus. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm not Jesus. He's like, no, you're Jesus. And I just think like in our own lives, what if everywhere we went, someone would be like, man, I really feel like I was just with Jesus. Like, I know that was a woman and it was weird and she was washing my hair at a salon, but that really felt like Jesus, you know? And that's what excites me. So when I look at Jesus's life, there are these three principles I feel like we can pull from and become Jesus people by, by doing what Jesus did. It's not some like, I don't want to give the big vision thing that Andrew and I were talking about. I want to give like practicals. Like how do we actually do what Jesus did? Because I believe firmly if we only have 40 books in the Bible and only four of them really outline Jesus's life, what's there we can pull from how to live. Jesus did everything I think, with intention to model for us how to live a life, not how to be God, but how to live a life as a person in right relationship with God and with other people. So the first thing, we are people of passion. When I look at Jesus's life, even from like really, really young, I see him being a person of passion. He was passionate about knowing what the Father was like. Um, in Luke 2, verse 52, I don't have this verse up here, so just go with me. It says um, <clears throat> that Jesus had to grow in favor and in wisdom with both God and man. That's crazy that Jesus had to grow with God. We do too. Like he did that so that we would know how to do it. In Luke 5, 19, it says that he would often withdraw to solitary places to pray. And when I think about that, I'm like so encouraged, especially as a mom of four, because I love my kids, E, but there are moments when I'm like, I need to be alone, <laughs> and I need to pray, <laughs> or just in relationships, right? And if Jesus needs to often withdraw and pray, so do we. Like, we need to get away. We need to see permission in his life that really the only place we get refreshed is the presence of God. I love how <clears throat> in John 14, it talks about how Jesus, he only did, is this on here? Um, anyway, it says, he only did what he saw the Father doing. He said, I tell you a timeless truth. I can do nothing of myself. I only do what I see the Father doing. The reason we go to the secret place is to understand on the grand scheme, God, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? Not just the macro level of like in the world. And if you're prophetic, you're like, I love that stuff. You know, you're like reading a nation's mail. But on the micro level, God, what are you doing in my heart? 
So practically, what does this look like for me to be a person of passion? As a mom of four, it's that when I was little, um, I began to spend time with God in seventh grade. We kind of had a family crisis. And my mom, I can remember vividly, actually killed my sister's birds when I was four years old. And I went in to tell her, and she was like on her knees, spending time with God. She modeled with me every morning what it was. And it was always, she was always sobbing. I don't know why. It was just how she related to God. But she would spend time with God and always tell me to spend time with God. So seventh grade, I started to meet with God. And it was just in my room, a half hour a night, as just a kid. And God cared. He came. Like I can, verses that I read then resonate with me now. And then all throughout college, I went to college, I went to an Antioch Waco there, and we went on this mission trip to Juarez, Mexico, and they would have us every morning before the three hours of prayer and worship, we would have an hour quiet time. I remember being like, that's a long time. <laughs> like, it's early, first of all, I haven't eaten, and I'm just like meeting with God. Like, it, And I knew how to do the 30 minutes. I don't know why the extra 30 just seemed like this is a gap. Like, there's just not that much to say. It, but it created in me space. And as I created more space to spend time with God, I wanted to spend more. And I feel like right now we live in the best time to pursue God because there's so much material available. Um, so really practically, real fast, um, podcasts. I don't know if y'all are podcast people. Maybe you're not. This is not a knock against Andrew and like his sermons not being enough, but I love to listen to podcasts all day. Like while I'm driving, I don't know about you, but sometimes my mental like line in my head is not the most positive, especially when you're going through kind of a crisis. It's like devil just wants to talk a lot. So I can only handle so much. And then I just got to turn on somebody else. And then I'm like getting built up and I'm strengthening myself and I feel encouraged. And we're seeing inside of churches all over the country. We've never been able to do that before. It's so awesome. There's so much available. And if you need specifics, I can give you those too. But just for you, like as a challenge, start listening to podcasts instead of music, instead of whatever it is. Like start training your brain to love the things of God. Um, Blue Letter Bible is an app that I love. Um, it is awesome. Instead of, I remember my parents had these big like, I talking too fast? My parents had these really big <laughs> Strong's concordances and vines, and they were massive, and you had to like flip through. Blue Letter Bibles made it super easy. You can read commentaries, you can click interlinear, and you can read each word. Click on a word and see the Greek meaning or the Hebrew meaning, and you can like compare them, and it re leads to root words. It's, it's just exciting. It's like makes studying the Bible so easy, so thrilling. Um, I use a Bible plan. That's, that's like practically, these practical tools. How do I actually be a person of passion? and ignite this. And it's not just the one hour a day. I think I used to think like, oh, I spend my time with God in the morning, and then like the rest of the day, you just kind of coast. You do your own thing. But I found that like he wants to talk all day long. And when we look at the life of Jesus, he was hearing what the Father was doing all the time. It's how he knew to pause in John 4 at the well with the woman. It's how he knew when Jairus' daughter, the woman, touched him. He's, he's like, oh, the Father just healed someone. I got it. Like the Father through me just healed this lady. I'm on the way to Jairus' house. I'm going to turn. It was that constant communication. It is that John 15 abiding. And I think it's just an invitation for us to be people of passion, to be Jesus people. It's to realize that we can be talking to him all day long, that we can understand the Father's heart. I think when all of this went down with our family, um, <clears throat> well, first, it all went down. I literally walked out of the doctor's office for the first time right after we'd seen the initial x-ray. Had no idea what it was. And I just had this like and I was looking in the office and see all these nurses. And I turned to Dee and I was like, do you know God, Dee? Like, do you know Jesus? And she's like, yes, 
I do. And I was like, okay, because he loves Cade and he loves you. And I just, I wanted to just be like, it's okay. They all had that like hushed, like this is awful look. And I knew, I knew somehow this is, it's going to tank my emotional side, but it doesn't change the reality that I'd spent enough time with the Lord to know who he was to know that he loved me and to know that he loves Cade. And so that's what I want is for us to be people of passion so that when life comes, which it will, Jesus says in this world, you'll have troubles. That's not like a lack of faith. That's just like, that's what's going to happen in the world. So how are you going to face it? How do you prepare for it? Chad and I began when, when we first found out about Cade, we just went through, what did God say about Cade five years ago? What are the promises God said? You know what I found in those promises? That he spoke, John what is it? 11.40. Thanks. John 11.40, that did I not tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God about Lazarus being raised from the dead? God spoke that five years ago over my son's birth because he had a cleft lip. I thought that's what it was for. I didn't know. You know, I didn't know. When I think about Psalm 18, the day that I was supposed to have him, I went in to initially find out that he had the cleft lip. Psalm 18 is all about he trains my hands for battle so that my fingers can bend a bow of bronze. He's rescued me out of the miry clay. It says that he, he set my feet in a broad place. He allowed me to stand on the heights. Oh my gosh, like that psalm itself, it says that God gets angry. He gets angry in that psalm when he sees that his beloved one is being pursued. As I've read it, I've been like, oh my God. How did I not know? Like, how did I not be like, I think something's going to happen, you know? But I'm just saying that he gave me promises then for now. And that didn't come because I was just like sitting around. It came when I was spending time with God and I was around people who loved God, who spend time with God. So if you need impetus even for those things, find people who are spending time with God and be like, how do you do this? I want to grow. How do you do this? That's what I love about our community is like I'm constantly challenged and encouraged by friends in this little church who have held my hand and walked me through this. The second thing I see in Jesus's life is that he was a person of purpose. Um, I love 1 John 3, 8. This has been such an encouragement to me during this season. It says that for this reason, the son of man came to destroy the works of the enemy. And if you use Blue Letter Bible and you click the word destroy, you'll see it uses a lot of different words. Two of them, melt and dissolve, which are the two terms oncologists have used for cancer. I don't know. I'm just encouraged by that. That was Jesus's purpose, and that's his purpose today. So Jesus isn't here, and when he leaves in John 14, and he says, it's better that I go, right? Isn't it John 14, John 16? So that, you, so that I can send the helper to you, and you can know him intimately, and he's going to tell you what the Father's doing, and anything you ask in my name, he's going to do for you. So we're not just like living our life. We have the purpose of God still. When Jesus said, I think it's Luke 17, he says, the kingdom of God is in your midst. You know, Andrew and I were talking about that word kingdom can seem big and like hard to unpack. Like, what is the kingdom? We're kingdom carriers. He teaches his disciples. They're like, how do we pray? He's like, pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I heard Bill Johnson say, kingdom really just means the king's domain. Like, what is the king's domain like? And that's what we're advancing on the earth. We're called to a purpose. I feel like right then that just breaks off the spirit of suicide, spirit of not having value or worth. Like, you have value and worth. The value and worth is unlocking the chains of people next to you if you know God. So for me, like, when all of this happened with Cade, for Chad and I, I couldn't just see the purpose like, oh, this is happening. My purpose now is to save my son's life. I know that sounds weird, but that couldn't be my purpose. It couldn't. It couldn't drive me. Because then you end up like Mary and Martha, and they're weeping outside of a tomb, and they're like, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. 
And my purpose couldn't be just holding it together. My purpose still is to advance the kingdom of God. I'm in a new season. I'm in new places, places I would not have chosen ever to be. But I am believing that this purpose is even for our body as a church. As people have come with me and we've been praying, there was one morning, Kate and I walked into treatment, Linda and her daughter Caroline agreed to meet us. So we walk in and we're a little bit late and I'm running behind, I'm kind of stressed and Linda and Caroline were already there and I walk in, of course, Linda's praying over a woman. And I'm like, duh, that's why I'm late. Like, Like if everything is a kindness, even me being late is okay. You know, like the practical purpose, the purpose of God, she's coming to meet me, but she's aware, like, hey, what does this person need? And let me tell you that there is no place that's just like, people are pretty open to prayer as Riley Hospital. Like, I would not have chosen this, but when Jesus says the field is white, like white for harvest, (laughs) this is a good place. It's low-hanging fruit. People want to encounter God. We've prayed over more people, I think, in the past two months than in our whole marriage collectively. We were having Cade. He was getting an EKG. There's a nurse. She's doing stuff on Cade, and she pulled up his shirt. It was right after his surgery. He's got a big scar and these things, and she burst into tears. Like it was, and she's like, oh, this is so unprofessional. And we're like, who cares about being unprofessional? You know, we get to pray for her, pray for her kids. And it's like as I give out what God has given, I get more of God. He creates space in me to carry more. <clears throat> when I live with purpose, In these places, it turns the table on the enemy. I'm now having to sit in an oncology unit for five hours and pray for the whole unit. Do you know what I'm praying for? I'm praying that every single kid lives this year, that not one more dies. I'm praying that these doctors wake up in the middle of the night with divine revelation. This is how we should treat this, that they have divine solutions, that these nurses don't feel jaded and hardened because of what they're seeing, but that they have compassion. I love how in Jesus, he saw the crowds, and it says that he was moved with compassion. That moved word is the Greek word. This is what I learned from Blue Letter Bible. That's why y'all need to get it. And it, it, I, I can't even, um, what is it called, pronounce it? It's like spletskomai or something, but it literally means from the gut. Like he saw them, and he felt it from the gut. Sometimes we get so, you see something every day, and you're sick of feeling. You're sick of feeling, but he didn't get sick of it. So I can't get sick of it. I want to be moved every time time. That's my purpose, is to be moved to advance the kingdom of God. One of the things I think I've realized is I don't live with purpose unless I'm purposeful about it. I don't know about you. Like, some people actually do. You know, my mother-in-law is wonderful. She makes tons of lists, and I'm like, I need to do that, but I forget to live purposeful. You know, like, I just kind of live and just kind of drift, and um, I don't know if you're like that. Maybe you are more purpose, but I think we all can make more space For practically, how do you purpose your life? So here are some simple practicals I hope that inspire you in whatever way you're going to work it out. One thing that we've been doing, I don't get out of the house much um, anymore because Cade's treatments and his levels are low. And so when I do, I'm like, I got to make the most of this. And I'm not talking like go the most places. I just have to understand that every other purpose in my life is secondary. Like it's okay to pursue things and have purposes in life, but nothing has the same meaning as the purpose of the kingdom. And so when we go on a date, it's awesome to get refreshed. But beforehand, I've been waiting on God. God, do you have anything to say to our waitress? Because guess what? When you tell someone, my son has stage four cancer, do you know what people do? They want to hear. And I'm not like, that's not me taking advantage of Cade. That's me saying, grab my moment. Like (laughs) this is what, it levels the playing field and people want to listen. And they, not only do they want to listen, they're like, like the guy at Trader Joe's the other day was like, well, you seem to be doing well. I'm like, I am doing well. I'm doing well because I know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? And he's a Jehovah's Witness. He didn't want to come today. I invited him. But, um, <clears throat> but I'm serious. Trader Joe's became a, a moment of encounter. 
on a date. It became a moment of encounter. I got this word for that date. I got the word mom. I'm like, well, that seems obvious. We're going to probably have a waitress. But I go to her, and um, so she serves us all dinner, and she leaves, and Chad's already paid, and I'm like, I think I'm supposed to share a word with her. And Chad's like, why didn't you tell me that before? I'm like, I don't know. I was just kind of scared. And, I, you know, I'm just starting out doing this, you know. And so he brings her back, and I was like, hey, tell her the situation. I'm like, I'm really just trying to hear God's voice in my everyday life. I felt like he gave me the word mom. Is there anything going on with your mom or mom you know? She's like, um, no. And I'm like, oh. She's like, but I am a Christian. And we're like, okay, great. Can we just pray for you? So we pray for her, and she's crying at the end. And then she's like, you know, I'm a mom to a two- and an eight-year-old. I walk away, and I'm like, I totally heard God. Like, she didn't know I heard God, but I heard God, and it was for her, you know, just to encourage her. This is what's so great. One of the words that was spoken for our church was that the kingdom of God is like leaven that a woman took, and she hid in, what is it, three measures of flour? I think we have that verse, but anyway, it's in Luke 13. The point is that when we insert faith, that kingdom of God faith, all I did was just say, hey, I'm trying to hear God. Like, I'm believing that that is leaven in her life. It's yeast. My mom used to make bread, and when you make yeast, like, you can't always see it right away, right? It takes a few hours for it to rise, but it rises. And if it's working, it really rises, and it overflows. That's what we're doing every day. You're not responsible. I'm not responsible to be like, no, I gave you that word. Do you know how to spend time with God? Do you have a Bible? Where do you go to church? Like, I don't, we don't really have time in our daily life to do that. But when I look at Jesus' life, he was just inserting leaven everywhere he went, right? Like talking about the love of God. So that's one practical, waiting on God for people. I think for, for Chad, he keeps saying, what's the next yes? What's the next yes? So we were, um, we went to another hospital for Cade, kind of closer here, and we went to totally the wrong place. And there's this beautiful nurse, she's helping us and um, I noticed she was limping, so she's helping us. We're in the totally wrong place. We're all getting frustrated, and I just felt that, like, don't get frustrated. Just, like, be aware of what's going on. So I'm like, okay. So I see Miss Brenda's limping. She's about to leave us, and I'm like, hey, Brenda, are you injured? Like, did something happen? She's like, yeah, three years ago I got in a car accident for my ankle. And I'm like, listen, we, in the middle of everything going on with Cade, she sees Cade. She knows the situation. I'm like, we're just really trusting God for healing. Can I pray for you? And she's like, yes, I would love it. So she knows Jesus. So we get down, we pray for her, we stand back up. She's crying. And she said, I felt the power of God in my ankle. And we're like, awesome. I'm expecting, I'm like, I think it's going to get better. She's like, me too. She leaves Eden. I get home, Eden's like, so did she get healed? I'm like, I don't, I don't actually know. <laughs> but I just know that I encouraged her and she felt encouraged. And also she saw, hey, there are still people who believe in faith that healing actually happens. I don't know. Like that's leaven to me, you know? Um, we've had so many opportunities to pray for different people in our workspaces. So like practically for you, what's your environment? Maybe it's that you're going on a plane trip this week. Who's going to sit next to you? Go into anticipation. It makes life fun. Like, hey, I'm at the stop sign. You feel an impulse. You see the homeless guy. Give him something. Don't feel the responsibility of like, but this week I just got to do that. I just handed him something. I was like, hey, Jesus loves you. And I just looked in his eyes and I'm like, you're a person. You're a person I drive past every day, but you need the kingdom too. People are hungry for this. I used to be so offended by the agenda idea. I was like, oh, I just don't want to be one of those Christians that have an agenda. But guess what? Like, there is no undercover Christian. There's no like, oh, I just want you to just be secret. You know, it's like we get to live this out loud here. Um, I was at Disneyland one time and Eden and I were waiting like an hour to see one of the princesses and there was a family in front of us. We start talking to them. And the whole time I'm like, oh, does she know God? Like, how do I talk about God? And I was hugely pregnant with Lily. And um, the girl's like, you must be really uncomfortable. And I was like, I am. And she was like, you must be really sore from walking around. I was like, I am. And she's like, 
so she pulls out oils, which it's not wrong if you sell oils, it's fine. She pulls out oils and she's like, let me get your email address, I'll tell you how to use these. It turns out she's trying to sell me oils and I was so offended. I was like, oh my gosh, she had an agenda with me that whole time. And then I realized, wait, I had an agenda with her too. Like, but mine was like to get you saved. I mean, hers was good too. But the idea is I'm so glad someone had an agenda with my family, with my parents who weren't saved in their 20s. I'm so glad someone had an agenda who didn't just hang out with him, but were like, hey, Bill, I mean, Joe and Susan, what's my parents' name? Joe and Susan. You guys <laughs> need the Lord. I'm so glad that Bill and Sandy, too, someone had an agenda with them. Someone probably had an agenda with you to get you to know God. We have an agenda, and it's not offensive. In a world full of wrong agendas, we have a divine agenda. All right. Okay, so last point is that Oh, wrong passcode, sorry. Jesus was a person who lived with perspective. Um, I love when you look all through the Gospels, it just seems like he like he just didn't see ground level. Have you ever seen, we've been watching a lot of wild crats, and the chameleons can see with their eyes two different ways, like one can look this way and the other one can look this way, it's crazy. But the idea is, I feel like almost Jesus lived that way. One eye on the Father, one eye on the world. So he sees like, let's say the five loaves, two fishes. He's like, oh, I see enough for a crowd. The disciples are like, you're crazy, you know? Like, but they learned as they walked with him, he sees differently. He sees this Samaritan woman that I'm like, she's had five husbands. And he's like, perfect evangelist. But he sees the demoniac, you know, who had like all, this says he has a legion of demons. He's like, he's going to change the whole area. The entire region will be different because of him staying there. Like he just was always seeing differently. In Hebrews, it says, he even saw the cross differently. He endured the cross, scorning its shame for the joy set before him. Like he saw differently. So in this whole situation with Cade, hearing this prognosis that no parent wants to hear, my heart is like, God, how do I see this? How do I see this? And I feel like he's given me eyes to see it. I can totally see it ground level if you want to. Like I could sit and see all the practicals, lay it out on a table, and be so overwhelmed. Or he can take me to the heights, like Psalm 18 says, which was Cade's psalm when I was pregnant with him. And I can see it so differently. I can see the kingdom impact. I can see my friends getting rocked. I can see that the breakthrough I'm inheriting with our family is actually for us as a family, for our family here. I think for me, the easy trigger is how do I know when I'm not seeing what God wants me to see? Romans chapter 8 talks about how the mind that's set on the flesh is death, that it's hostile to God, it can't submit to God. And so for me, a really easy trigger, am I seeing for the flesh, am I seeing wrong, that it's when I have loss of hope, when I have loss of joy, when I feel depressed, when I feel despair. I feel all of those like 40 times a day. And I'm sure I'm not alone. I know our, our situation might be augmented or unique, but really all of us, we truck through this every day, right? Mindset on the flesh is death. So it's just so easy. And I'm finding like that with Jesus, he's really okay with quick repentance. Like, oh, I just saw it wrong again, God. And my lack of faith for that moment is not going to determine Cade's prognosis in the long run. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. So I've almost had like moments where I'm like, I feel so guilty that I feel really alive and we feel really alive and we're doing well and we have peace. And then I'm like, wait, I don't need to feel guilty. I'm walking by the spirit, not in the flesh. That's why there's hope for us today. So I think for you, like as you look at your life, what do you not have the perspective of the kingdom on? 
What are you lacking hope on in life on? I love how Bill Johnson says, if there's any area of your life that's not glistening with hope, it's under the influence of a lie. And God's so good. Like he loves to get our lies and not shame us with them, but just set us free. Just set us free. Just offer again life. I came to give you life, life to the full. I think as you, you review these places, what is the practical for you today to take away? Do I need to become more of a person of passion? Do I need to become more of a person of purpose? I have lots of passion, but I don't have a place to, to put it out. Like, what's the area in your life that you can just say yes to? It's just so easy to say yes. I love how in Mark it talks about right after the parable of the sower and the seed, Jesus says, be careful how you hear. For, to the, one who, for, for the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. And the one who has, more will be given. And I think God is every day wanting to initiate with us, like, hey, I want to tell you something. So you hear, and then you keep hearing. He pours even more people into your path because he knows this person's listening. His eyes really are roaming to and fro throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And he wants to entrust us with things. And I think if we're going to be Jesus people, we're so excited every day to just realize in my practical everyday life, I get to encounter God, encounter the world, and see things differently. So that's my big story for today. I feel encouraged. I just want to say, too, when you proclaim Christ before people, Jesus says, I'll proclaim you before my angels. So I just won today because I just told y'all what I think about Jesus. <laughs> but now it's your turn to go and win, to hear him say your name in heaven and be like, this one knows me. They know me. They know who I am. So I want to pray that for you. We're going to have a little bit of response time that Andrew is going to lead with the team up here in worship. Um, I am expectant that some of you, while I was speaking, are feeling and sensing the Holy Spirit, maybe in a new way. For me, sometimes that manifests like my shoulders just get heavy. It's weird. I just feel like a weird heaviness, or you feel uncomfortable, or you feel a little bit like stirred up inside, like someone shook a bottle. Like, that's okay. That's the Holy Spirit, and he's bringing the conviction and the love, and I just want to encourage you to open up your heart more to that, to not be afraid of letting him move. He's so trustworthy. So I'm going to pray for you. If everyone wants to stand up, just, I know this might be uncomfortable, but Put your hands out in front of you. Jesus, we want to be Jesus people. We want to be people that are moved at the impulse of your spirit. We want to walk in a room and be able to see like you see, even in the midst of our own personal pain, even in the midst of feeling overwhelmed by situations. We want to be able to see who you're highlighting. God, we believe that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed, that you have refreshment for us on the other side of our obedience. So we want to obey you, God. I ask that we would be people who walk like Jesus. I pray that you'd pour out right now more of the Holy Spirit, more knowledge and awareness of your nearness. I thank you, God, that all of us get to hear you, that the, it's not for the elect and the special, that John 10 says, my sheep hear my voice. I thank you, God, that you want to speak. So I'm asking for you to move right now in hearts. Mm. If we could have, I don't know if we have like a prayer team, people that can come and pray to be on this side. Yeah. Amen. You encouraged. Like Kara said, we um, love being a people who respond to the word of God. We don't just hear the word of God. Did anybody just hear the word of God? No matter where you're coming from this morning, no matter where you feel like you're at with God, there is something for you to respond to this morning because God spoke, and he doesn't just speak to hear himself speak. He speaks so you can hear him speak. And when you respond, there's life in it. Jesus said, like we talked about, if you believe, 
that's where you're going to encounter life. That's our action. What's your action? And we've been doing this series, Jesus People. And this morning is our last morning and, uh, of Jesus People. And, and Kara's left us with so many things. And I just want to ask the, the question in these final moments together, just real simply, what's your next step? We've heard so much. There's been so much. There's so much we could do. There's so many things. You may be feeling stirred or convicted or, or you know, all kinds of things. But the question in these moments is just really simple. Okay, Jesus, I want to be a you person. So just help. <laughs> What's the next step? What's the one next thing I can do? Beth shared it was forgiveness. It was giving a check to Ukraine and getting free. And what is it for you? What's your next step? And as we close this morning, uh, usually we always, we always have our, our prayer team off to the side and we're gonna still have them off to the side and that's great. But something that we do sometimes is close a little bit differently, not just if you want prayer, if you wanna respond, go have somebody pray with you. But sometimes we just open up the front and say, we need to have a physical response sometimes to what God's doing inside of us. And so I don't care what anybody thinks and I hope you don't either. But the question is just really simple. If you are here this morning and again, whatever it means for you, if you're here this morning, you're saying, you know what? Okay, I wanna be a Jesus person. Real simple, I wanna be a Jesus person. We're gonna sing that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus song we sang again. And I want you, I wanna invite you to come to the front just as an act of obedience to say, okay, Jesus, I, I, I'm in. When, when I have those moments where I'm in the car and I'm thinking, I don't wanna do this, I'm gonna remember, no, I actually, like I signed up for this. So if you wanna be a Jesus person, I'm just inviting you now. I know everybody's eyes are open and that's so awkward, all this stuff, but who cares? I wanna be a Jesus person. I want you to come to the front or just step off to the side or something like that. Respond somehow, some way. If you're here this morning, you're saying, I wanna be a Jesus person. I wanna take my next step, whatever it is, whatever it is that God's doing in you. If you're just saying, I wanna take a next step, I wanna encourage you to take a step. Step out of the aisle. Go ahead right now. Step out of the aisle. Come up to the front of the room. Just something that says, Jesus, I'm in. I'm in. I'm a Jesus person. I'm gonna pray for us, and if you're in your seat, that's great. You can still be a Jesus person. <laughs> I'm gonna pray for us as we worship, and again, the question in this moment is just simply, Jesus, what's my next step that I can do today, tomorrow, this week? What's my next step? Would you close your eyes as we pray and begin to worship this morning? Actually, before we go any further, just keep your eyes closed, your heads bowed. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, you have never, like John 6 said, you've never turned to Jesus and believed and been given eternal life. You've never been forgiven. You've never stepped into the kingdom of God. If you're carrying anything this morning that you need Jesus to take care of, if this morning your yes to being a Jesus person is saying, I wanna believe, maybe you don't even feel like you know how, but you can take your next step. If you're here this morning and you want to know Jesus or maybe you follow Jesus and you, you've turned away, but you want to come back to being a Jesus person. Everybody else's eyes are closed. It's all great. Just want you to raise your hand right now if you're here this morning saying, I want to come back or I need to follow Jesus this morning. Amen. 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 You're ready to get rid of your doubts. You don't have all your answers, but you're ready. You're ready to turn to him. All right, I'm gonna pray for us. And if you wanna worship, you can stay in your seat. You can stay in the front. If you want somebody to pray for you, we've got people off to the side uh, by the curtain walls that we have. Somebody would love to pray with you. Jesus, we love you so much. 
We thank you for your invitation to be Jesus people, not just to be religious people, but Jesus people. And so we invite you in these final moments together by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, show us Jesus. Touch our hearts. Bring us back to life, God. For everybody who's far from you, draw us unto yourself, Lord. Bring us close in these moments. Let us know your presence and hear your voice.